0: Injured in a car accident, we cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyer up 904. Jacksonville.
1: The sports world keeps spinning and the local conversation
2: continues. Now,
1: Hacker After Dark on 1010XL.
2: And a very good Tuesday evening to you, Jacksonville. It is Hacker After Dark, 1010XL, 92.5 FM with Dylan Denmark. The Hacker Ryan Green with you, our late night show. 10 to midnight on a Tuesday. Are you kidding me? Where else would you rather be right now at 10 o'clock on the East Coast on a Tuesday night than right here with Hacker After Dark on 1010XL and ninety two. 0.5 FM. we got a lot to do over the next two hours. Some NFL ball, some college ball, a little high school ball. We'll have Brent Beard. You see him on First Coast News. You also get him right here with me on Hacker After Dark. We'll talk about the Heisman. He was a voter. Uh, Caleb Williams won it, the quarterback from USC. Brent will explain why Caleb Williams was not even one of the top three guys on his ballot. I think you'll find that pretty interesting. We'll also talk about the transfer portal. Do you realize one week from tomorrow is the December signing period? How is Florida, Florida State, and Miami? Their class is shaping up. And, of course, the Gators play a bowl game on Saturday in Las Vegas against Oregon State. So we'll do all of that with Brent Beard coming up inside of about 25 minutes. In the 11 o'clock hour, it is the high school spotlight. You'll hear from brand-new head coach of Oakleaf High School, Christopher Foy. Foy, who was at Jackson the last three years, led Jackson to a district championship, is leaving Duval County for Clay County, now the brand-new head coach at Oakleaf. For the Gator fans, you will hear from Cornelius Ingram, former Gator, drafted into the National Football League, had all the potential in the world, Pretty decent career, unfortunately injuries mounted up for Cornelius Ingram, but he is the head football coach out at his alma mater of Hawthorne, and they just won a state championship last week, a perfect season for Hawthorne High School. So Cornelius Ingram, the former Florida Gator, will talk about Hawthorne and that state championship. I also want to get his thoughts on Billy Napier and year number one there for Napier in Gainesville. And then finally, Justin Barney of Channel 4. All that to come tonight on the High School Spotlight in the 11 o'clock hour. I do want to save the big deal of the night for just a moment because this morning, Mike Leach passed away at the age of 61. Um, Very sad day. I got a personal Mike Leach story to share uh, you know, Mike Leach is a guy that was just different. He he went to the beat of his own drum, and I always appreciated that about Mike Leach. He would go on rants, and he would derail an interview and go completely off topic, but it was genuine. I mean, Mike Leach was who he was, and 61 is unbelievably young. I believe I read where Mike Leach is the first active college football coach in Division One to pass away in 16 years. And if you bring it to the Southeastern Conference, he's the first active SEC football coach to pass away in the last four-plus decades. So a terribly sad day in college football. I think you realize what Mike Leach meant, certainly the air raid, his coaching tree, all of that, but just the guy, right, the person the individual Mike Leach, what he meant by the overwhelming outpour of support from everybody. I mean, you name the college, you name the head coach, odds are they put something on social media today talking about Mike Leach. For me personally, Mike Leach, you go back to 2008. I was 24 years old had just graduated from the University of North Florida. And as a producer with uh, Tom McManus on the Rumble, we were doing a Heisman Spotlight Series where we were getting Heisman hopefuls from the 2008 season on the Rumble with myself and Tom McManus. And Graham Harrell was the quarterback of Texas Tech who was in the Heisman conversation that year So we wanted to get Mike Leach on to talk about Graham Harrell. And to take you inside the business, inside the radio dial here, normally when you want to get a head coach on from a university, you call that university's athletic department. They have what is called a sports information director or a public relations person. And you book the interview through that individual. So at 24 years of age, again, I was in the business for about five years at this point, but still very wet behind the ears for those of you that listened to me back then when I was only 24, 25 years old. I call Texas Tech, get a hold of the SID, tell him who I am, tell him what we want to do, and he proceeds to say, well... This is not the right number. You need to call another number. And he gives me this phone number. And I say, okay, who, is, who am I calling here? He said, well, that's Coach Leach's cell phone. Are you kidding me? A Division One college football coach in the Big 12 at a program like Texas Tech doesn't have guys set up interviews for him. No, you call him directly on his cell phone. That's unheard of in our industry. Unheard of. So here I am calling Mike Leach's cell phone, and I remember it like it was yesterday, and it's been 16, well, 15 years or so. He says, hello. I say, coach, you know, Ryan Green, 1010XL Radio in Jacksonville. And he stops me, and he says, Ryan, how you doing? This guy doesn't know me from Adam. Ryan, how you doing? I said, coach, I'm good. And we just started a conversation. He was talking about the weather out where he was. He was asking me about the weather in Jacksonville. And, and, I mean, it's plain as day in my mind. We talked for a good five or ten minutes. And then I finally get around, once he let me then, and then stopped talking, and that's what he did. He talked. I finally get around to asking him if he would come on the radio and if I could record an interview with him talking about Graham Harrell. He said, absolutely. When do you want to do it? I said, Coach, well, when's good for, when is a good time for you? He said, man, let's do it right now. And I was like, wow. And I just, I hit the record button, threw him on hold, and we did a 10-minute interview right then and there. And that was the kind of guy that Mike Leach was. And that was 14, 15 years ago for me, 2007, 2008. I've never forgotten it. And, uh, you know, as nice as he was to me in that setting. And I was fortunate enough on prime time to talk to him a few more times when he took the job at Mississippi State. We had him on, uh, just an unbelievably nice guy, an unbelievably awkward but in a good way, awkward in a good way type guy, and uh, today sucks. Today is certainly a blow to the college football world as uh, far, far, far too young we lose Mike Leach at the age of 61, so certainly uh, rest in peace, prayers up for his family, everybody associated with Mississippi State we'll see what happens with their bowl game. They're not supposed to play, I believe until like January 2nd. They have one of the later bowl games. So we'll see if they uh play that game, but yeah, definitely a, a sad way to start the day today. There's really no good way to move on from that to sports talk, but that's what we're here to do on Hacker After Dark. It's what we love doing and it's what we will do right now and we always kick off Hacker After Dark with a big deal of the night, and Dylan Denmark. Let's do that right now.
1: Time now for the big deal of the night. What's the big deal?
2: What is the big deal? It is a big deal. On
1: Hacker After Dark.
2: So the Jacksonville Jaguars play a football game on Sunday. You might have known that. As the Dallas Cowboys come in. By the way, you see who's calling the game for Fox? We got the A-team. We got Burkhart and Greg Olson, the guys that replaced Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. A majority of the country on Fox will see this game in the 1 o'clock window on Sunday. That's kind of cool. Something for a a nice change here in Jacksonville. So here we go. Jaguars-Dallas. We all know the situation. A Jacksonville win on Sunday. A Tennessee loss in Los Angeles against the Chargers. And the Jaguars would at that point control their own destiny with three weeks to go for a AFC South division championship. Likely, no, but it certainly is possible. Here's my thought on this whole situation. Big game in December, first meaningful December game we've had in Jacksonville in what, five years?
1: The p word playoffs.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. You probably got to go back to... That's pretty funny. You probably got to go back to 2017 to find a bigger game or as big a game in December here in Jacksonville. And I don't want to water down the game because I'm excited about it. You're excited about it. If they win on Sunday, can you imagine what that fifth quarter would be like? Can you imagine what that fifth quarter would be like if the Jaguars beat the Dallas Cowboys. So the game, I hope they win. I hope it's a great contest, and I am certainly looking forward to discussing it with you for the remainder of the week. But you know what? What I was thinking about earlier today doesn't mean anything. The rest of the season doesn't mean anything, and I'll tell you why. On August... 31st, going into Labor Day weekend, if I were to tell you Jaguar fans in the city of Jacksonville that on December 18th, Trevor Lawrence would have thrown for 3,200 yards, 20 touchdowns and six interceptions, that Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, and Evan Ingram would have combined after 13 games for 2,000 Yards receiving on 188 catches. That Travis Etienne was on pace to be a 1,000-yard rusher. And that the Jaguars were not only still alive in the postseason talk 13 games in, but they were alive for a division championship 13 games in. You would not have cared what happened that last month. You would have signed on the dotted line. The Jaguars are in the hunt when you talk about the AFC playoff picture. The Jaguars have found their franchise quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. Obviously, Doug Peterson is miles ahead of Urban Meyer and where this team has been with head coaches as of late. Isn't the season already a success no matter what happens over the next four games? Did you pick the Jaguars to win the division coming into the year? Of course not. You told us, because we asked you on Hacker After Dark, get me on the graphic, get me in the hunt in December. They've done that. Play meaningful games in December. They're doing that. Have the free agents contribute. Make them earn that big money. Foye Luican? is earning his money. Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram, earning their money. How's Travis Etienne going to come back from the injury? He's going to rush for 1,000 yards this year, more than likely. They've checked all the boxes. The season is already a success to me, no matter what happens over the next four weeks. And again, I hope like heck That they beat Dallas, they go on a run, and they find themselves in the playoffs. You want to talk about hot fudge on the ice cream, the cherry on top? Absolutely. The P word, playoffs. Yes. Gene, you're exactly right. The P word, playoffs. But again, they've already done what Jaguar fans wanted them to do. You asked to be in the playoff conversation in December. Checkmark. You wanted to find out, is Trevor the franchise guy? Checkmark. How are the free agents doing? Checkmark. There are still some questions. Josh Allen, sure. Trayvon Walker, sure. It hasn't been all checkmarks. I mean, they are five and eight. But they have done what Jaguar fans wanted them to do. And I don't want them to lose the last four. If they lose the last four, this narrative may change a little bit. But for the here and now, going into this game against Dallas, I'm not sure it really matters what happens. Because everything you wanted them to do coming into this year, think back to where your mind was, Labor Day weekend. Haven't they done all of that? Haven't they accomplished everything you wanted them to accomplish?
3: Take it back to the Denver game. Few weeks ago. Yeah,
2: I mean, you, well, you could. There's all kinds of varying points. Oh yeah,
3: I mean, you, we were. You, you literally said if we lose a Denver it's draft talk. Yeah. And and, like and how I also flips like it in.
2: And I, well, no, because I also said I didn't care about wins and losses after Denver. Right. Correct. As long as Trevor Lawrence performs. And guess what? Trevor Lawrence has performed. And I still am of that mindset. Wins and losses really don't mean all that much to me. Now, you've gotten unbelievably fortunate that the AFC South is just awful. Just awful. So even at 5-8, and you're still very much in the conversation. And look, let's not get, you know, crazy here. If Dallas comes in here and wins 45-3, well, yeah, that would be disappointing. But if you play Dallas tough and you lose the game, yeah, it's going to suck. But again... You're in the hunt. You're on the graphic for the AFC playoffs. You got a guy that's clearly your franchise quarterback. Your free agents that you brought in are all contributing. The season, by and large, to this point, even at 5-8, and eight, has checked a lot of boxes that Jaguar fans wanted checked. And to me, that means it's been much closer to a success than it has been a failure already. is the phone number. If you want to get involved on the phone line or on the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures, you are more than welcome to do so. We are streaming for your viewing pleasure on the 1010XL YouTube channel. Just search 1010XL. You'll see Hacker After Dark there until midnight tonight. Also on Twitter, at 1010XL on Twitter, you'll see the show there until midnight tonight. Brent Beard, you see him on First Coast News. You get him right here weekly. On Hacker After Dark, we will talk about the life of Mike Leach, what he meant to the game of college football. Brent has been covering college football for decades. He has some very strong thoughts on what Mike Leach meant to the game of college football. We'll also review the Heisman. We'll look ahead to the bowl game for Florida on Saturday. And again, a week from tomorrow. First signing day, December signing period. We got a ton to do. Let's do it with Brent Beard, First Coast News, and here on Hacker After Dark. He's next on 1010XL in 92.5 FM.
1: Hacker After Dark on 1010XL. Now... Hello, Another great guest on the Farrah & Farrah phone line. Brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah & Farrah.
2: Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. We are glad you are with us. Bowl season on the horizon. The Gators play Saturday. Yeah, they do. They play Saturday against Oregon State in the Las Vegas Bowl. Bowl season officially kicks off on Friday. We have a Heisman Trophy winner. We have a college football playoff a couple of weeks away. And we have Brenton Beard. You see him on First Coast News. You also get him right here with me on Hacker After Dark. Mr. Beard, how are you, sir?
4: Well, Hank, I'm uh, I'm doing well. I'm, I'm like everybody else. It's kind of a mixed bag day of uh, uh, looking forward to uh, bowl season uh, beginning on Friday. Uh, we're, we've got about one, Hank, like six of them on Saturday probably at least. Uh, wall-to-wall as we do do during the season and also trying to uh, uh, to grasp the life and the death of uh, one Mike Leach at Mississippi State. So uh, uh, it's been a very mixed bag day, right?
2: It has been, and I hate to start it off with that, but, but obviously that's the big story today. Mike Leach dead at the age of 61. Brent, I, I'm going to share a quick Mike Leach story with you in a moment that I have personally that uh, I think uh, you know we we could laugh at a time like this. It's a horribly sad story. Uh, he had a heart attack, I guess, on Saturday and and just never never recovered and passed away this morning there in the state of Mississippi. Uh, can you put into perspective what Mike Leach and the air raid meant for the game of college football?
4: Well, I mean, there is such a tree that he has and I won't have time to go into all of them, but Lincoln Riley and Dave Miranda and Dana Hogerson and Art Browse and Neil Brown and Josh Heupel, Sonny Dykes, Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, you could go on and on and on uh, about the people whose lives he affected in college football, but I, I think the the great thing for uh, in in memories of him is how he was just so refreshingly different, wasn't he? Act, uh, you know, oftentimes would you know compared to uh, uh, our standard coaches who are we're not going to share anything, we're buttoned up, we're not going to express any kind of emotion or humor. Uh, it's all about the game, and I've got to work 25 hours a day. That uh, that really wasn't who he was. He was just uh, so refreshing in a lot of ways. Uh, I mean, he won at different places. He was controversial, Texas Tech, Washington State, Mississippi State. Uh, but, but And I think there's uh, two things I want to say about this real quick. One is, I hope and pray that this is a wake-up call to other coaches to take care of themselves. What we found out is he basically had pneumonia most of the year, and the staff actually encouraged him to step away for a while and get well. Uh, And unfortunately, obviously, that did not happen. And with the pressure these guys have got, with the workload they've got, I know they get all this money, and that's supposed to – equalize it but that's not always the case and I hope some guys will learn from this and maybe save their own lives by getting a checkup uh or taking better care of themselves but one of the best stories that I've heard on Leach uh was that uh, the guy was telling the story was in the room with Leach uh and he was the phone rang Leach um started talking to this person Uh, talked for an hour, uh, and then somehow the phone call got dropped. Leach called them back, talked for another half an hour, and Leach finally hung up, and the guy in the room just casually said, "Uh, uh, well, Coach, who was that? And Leach said, well, (laughs) uh, believe it or not, it was the wrong number.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, that that makes a lot of sense. Brent Beard here with us. I'll tell you my – Mike Leach story, so I'm boy, I couldn't have been any more than 24 or 25 years old, we were doing a a Heisman um, interview list, and it was back in the days of Graham Harrell at Texas Tech, yeah. so this is probably 2007 2008, and I mean I'm fresh out of UNF, you know 24 years old, and <laughs> yeah. so I called Texas Tech, because Leach was at Texas Tech at the time, and you know how this works, you talk to the SID, the sports information director, sure. and you set up the interview, so I call the SID out at Texas Tech and tell him who I am and that I want to interview, you know, Mike Leach. And he said, well, actually, we don't do that here. Uh, I said, "Okay." Uh, He said, "Uh, here's Coach's cell phone number. Why don't you call (laughs) him personally? I said, do what? He said, no, here's Coach's (laughs) cell phone number. So uh, I said, "Okay." So here I am, you know, I've been in the business a handful of years at this point, Mm -hmm. but certainly never called a... Division One college football coach, that high a profile on their cell phone. I call him up. Hello. I say, Coach, you know, Ryan Green, 1010XL Radio, would love to talk to you about Graham Harrell. Absolutely. Uh, what time is good for you? He said, what time is good for you? I said, well, we could go right now. He said, let's do it. And we just talked for 15, 20 minutes about Graham Harrell, about his career, Brent, that's the kind of guy that Mike Leach was.
4: Well, uh, to your point, uh, that as accessible as he was, and uh, just so amazing. And, and uh, look, he did a um, sh- for a while in between jobs. He actually did a daily uh, show, uh, on, uh, Sirius XM from his house down in, uh, the keys. Uh, and I think most of the time he did it, uh, he would just sit on his back porch with his feet propped up, uh, and did the show. So, uh, but as far as helping people, as far as, um, uh, I mean, the, uh, uh, but, but again, it, it, it just lets you know, life is so precious and it's so fragile. And, and, and hang, I'll be honest with you with all the things that we talked about a moment ago and, uh, about the pressure and the decisions and all the demands and things like that. Uh, uh, we're, we're probably fortunate that we don't lose a coach, uh, or two every year and I've been I've been doing this, uh, frankly, uh, in the media since the 90s. I've been covering SEC football since the 70s. I don't ever remember the SEC losing a, if I can put it this way, a sitting head coach. Do you not uh, off
2: the top it, of my head? No,
4: no, no. This is. This has never
2: happened in the league before. It's uh, terribly unfortunate. Prayer's up to his family. But uh, Mike Leach, one of the one of the good ones. You can't tell the story of college football without talking about Mike Leach and the air raid. That's right. There's no doubt about that. And uh, may he rest in peace today, dead at the age of 61. Brent, there's never an easy transition from that, but we're here to talk a little college football, so we will press on here on Hacker After Dark. I uh, want to get into the Gators with you in just a moment, but briefly, you are a Heisman voter. Caleb Williams wins the Heisman Trophy on Saturday, the quarterback from USC. You released your Heisman ballot on social media after the fact, like you're allowed to do, not before, but after. And I don't believe Caleb Williams was among your your top three. What was uh, your thoughts when he ended up winning it on Saturday night?
4: Well, I mean, he's a tremendous player. Um, the... Uh uh, there's no doubt about that. I mean, I voted uh, Max Dugan and uh, one, uh, Bryce Young two, uh, and also Stenson Bennett three. I mean, I wish I could have voted for uh, more guys than that. I tell you one thing that hurt, um, and obviously it didn't hurt him that much, but it. But what? Because I had husband voters tell me this was when Caleb Williams paints his fingernails with F. utah uh that turned a lot of people off uh and because there's there's a for lack of a better word there's a morals clause in the heisman too and some of the voters and they told me this uh disagreed with that uh but as far as on the field stuff i mean caleb williams gives usc a lot of hope now they've got a uh, come up with a defense somewhere. Shane Lee, the Alabama transfer, was their leading tackler at uh, linebacker. But I, and I appreciate you bringing it up uh, because uh, one of the things I disagree very much with with the Heisman, and you probably remember when we could do this, do you remember when we could actually talk about who we voted for the week leading up to the heisman hack
2: there was that website uh, stiffarmtrophy.com yes. Oh, yes, yeah
4: yeah yeah that was going on we were able to uh, uh to discuss because i know we we you and i have done radio together with the same cast of characters for about th- th- three decades now uh and we talked about this before the actual vote was revealed and the ceremony and i've always thought that that we need to go back to that because it gives the trophy some attention. Uh, because, heck, the truth of the matter is, after it's announced on Saturday night, uh, obviously there's there's attention then and then on Sunday, and then by the time in the following week that, that you get along, at, at Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, people basically just forget about it. So I'm honored to be able to do it, uh, to take it seriously. But I just wish, as you probably remember that we could go back to those times that we could actually talk about it and give the reward more attention than it's getting now.
2: You get Brent Beard on First Coast News. You also get him right here on Hacker After Dark on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. We'll step aside. Coming up next, we'll get into the Florida Gators. They play on Saturday in the Las Vegas Bowl. What's Brent's thoughts on the Gators? And what can they get out? of that football game, the final football game for year number one of Billy Napier's tenure there at the University of Florida. It is a Tuesday night on Hacker After Dark. We're glad you're with us. Into the Gators and the Beavers of Oregon State. That's next here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Back here with Brent Beard. You see him on First Coast News. You also get him here on Hacker After Dark on 1010XL and 92 Point Five FM, Brent. Well over a thousand. That's a thousand college football players are in the transfer portal right now. We're starting to see some commitments. Uh, Florida State got a commitment yesterday from one of the best tight ends in the portal, believe Jaheim Bell out of South Carolina. Florida got a commitment from Caleb Banks, a big defensive lineman out of Louisville. But still, here we are, Brent, uh, in the middle part of December with the high school signing day. Next week, bowl preparation. People declaring for the draft, and oh, by the way, there's a thousand people in the transfer portal.
4: Well, the amazing thing about it is um, now this is this is some information for Mike Farrell, and I'll give credit where it's due. Just numbers that that to me are just amazing, uh, and, and this would just within uh, a short period of time like in uh, uh, your power 5 579 scholarship entries ten guys withdrew and 69 found a new school um, look it does and that's just an example of the different levels uh, they've got g5 and all that but uh, and then and then the, the lower divisions uh, hack isn't it obvious that way too many people are getting into the portal and way too few of them are finding schools?
2: Well, there's not only that, but but Brent, I wonder, and again, we'll never know this, um, but, boy, it seems to me like a lot of kids are just doing it for the sake of doing it. I'm not sure what they're really accomplishing by leaving one school to go to the next other than they can put a cool thing on Twitter uh, and then put another cool thing on Twitter when they commit to another school – but are they really helping themselves long term is the question
4: Well let see the reality of this too is uh, there are only so many transfers that you can do. I mean, if you're a grand transfer uh, you you've got a lot more leeway when you go to school to, to another school and you should maybe because uh, you, you graduated but if but if you're an underclassman and you're transferring, I mean you get the free, you get the one free. And then after that, uh, uh, it, it, I mean, your 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 choices and your opportunities were cut down because of the academic end of it. So, Hank, uh, and this is a, a sermon on another day, but I really do wonder what's going to happen and what's got to happen in order to, uh, uh, look, I, the kids should have the freedom to do what they want. But at some point, we've got to have some parameters on this, sometimes even for their own good.
2: There's no doubt about that. And, you know, a prime example is Florida. Now, amazingly, I want to say Billy Napier said this last week, that there are some guys that might even be in the portal that might actually play for them on Saturday. (laughs) I know Grayson McCall is a prime example at Coastal Carolina. He entered the portal yesterday. He's going to transfer, but he's going to play in there bowl game as well so it's a confusing times no question let's get to the Gators again with Brent Beard here uh the Las Vegas Bowl Brent what can be accomplished on Saturday and the Gators by the way are playing a pretty darn good Oregon State team a team that's in the top 15 in the country
4: well they they, they really are now obviously they won't have Anthony Richardson they won't have Osiris Torrance who they will miss, uh, in my opinion, more than they will Richardson. Uh, linebacker Ventrell Miller, Gervin Dexter, defensive lineman, Justin Shorter at receiver, all those guys won't be playing, but 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 guys like Jack Miller, quarterback, will. And, and I think that's going to be uh, very important for Florida to be able to get him as much work as possible. Now, obviously, as you've mentioned, I'm sure, um, they had a visit, won't we understand, from Graham Mertz of Wisconsin, the quarterback, not saying he's going to Florida, but he did get, get in for a visit. So I, I think that's important. The Louisville transfer, Caleb Banks, six seven three hundred, 300, uh, has committed. So uh, I hear some good things about him. I know you've talked about him too. But, look, your point about Oregon State Uh, This is a very good football team, frankly. I mean, they just tore Oregon up uh, in their finale of the season. Uh, The running back, Damian Martinez, who's almost got 1,000 yards. uh, He was hurt against Oregon, but they think that he's going to play. Um, They also uh, do a really good job of balance and run uh, and pass to Jonathan Smith, uh, is their coach, and he is very undervalued uh, as a head coach, part because uh, they're on West Coast, and we don't see him that much, too. And they've got a, a, even a couple other running backs, Jam, J-A-M, Griffin from Rome, Georgia, and Deshaun Fenwick is from uh, Bradenton, Florida. Uh, those guys are, uh, are also very good. So the reality is, uh, this is a good football team. they can also throw the ball redard freshman ben goldbranson uh is from California, so he's done a good job for them uh kind of coming out of the bullpen but to kind of sum this up they're big they're physical they're a tough team uh to me it's not so much even if they win the game hack as much as they get some of the some tape on some of these guys who have not played a lot, that to me would be the thing that would be invaluable.
2: Final moments here with Brent Beard. You see him on First Coast News. You also get him right here weekly on Hacker After Dark. Brent, I remember a world where bowl games mattered, right? The fan base was fired up about them. The players were fired up about them. I was talking to a couple of my Gator buddies this past weekend. I mean, season ticket holders, alumni for the Florida Gators. I mean, they're Gator fans. So you know the Gators play next Saturday they didn't have a clue they didn't have a clue that the Las right. Vegas Bowl was December 17th why do bowl games particularly the very early ones and even some of the later ones quite frankly why what what has happened why don't they mean as much as they did 15 20 years ago
4: well uh, I mean a lot of people would argue that we've got two uh, way too many of them I mean I love, I enjoy bowls I mean I play I'm a playoff guy there's no secret to that. But I but I do think there's a reward for the bowls. Uh, I mean, for instance, in the Cure Bowl, you've got Texas, San Antonio, and Troy. Both those teams have, have won double-digit games apiece, so that will be fun. Uh, off the air, you, you mentioned me, the Cincinnati-Louisville game. Uh, in, in the coaching situation, there's almost... Uh, amusing, frankly. Yeah, with, you got Satterfield
2: uh, leaving Louisville to go to Cincinnati. Yes. and they're pointing oh, yeah. each other. That's odd.
4: Yeah, yeah, it is. It really is. Now, and again, Saturday uh, it starts on Friday with two games. Saturday, you've got games from uh, typically uh, uh, noon to midnight uh, is is what you'll have. Um, so, but the, the, your point's a good one. We've got. Um, so many of these minor bowl games early, which does give us a chance to watch some of these other teams. What I am hoping is, is that when we have the playoffs, we will incorporate those somewhat with the bowls that that will, uh, will make the bowl season a little more uh, important to some degree. Some people think it's going to take away from it. It may actually help in the long run, we'll just have to see. But, I mean that's a good point. I, I mean I'm I listen to bowls um, uh, when I'm going back and forth to the gym and to the grocery store and things like that. So I enjoy the season and enjoy them when they put when they're played during the day. But to your point about Florida, that that's what we're hoping that we see a great improvement in our state of Florida teams, so folks will get interested in the bowls in the postseason again. Because I I do think we can have a situation uh, to where one day in the near future that we've got Florida, Florida State, and hopefully Miami all in the playoffs. That would be tremendous.
2: It would. There's no question. All right, Brent, leave us with this. Final final topic, final questions. Uh, Next Wednesday, a week from tomorrow, is the December early signing period. I didn't know how this thing was going to play out when it started, what, I guess, three or four years ago now. The first year, you had a lot of guys commit in December, and I, I was stunned, quite frankly. But it was about 50-50. Brent, it's like 90-10 now. I mean, yeah, the hay is. is in the bar next Wednesday. There will be yes. a handful of guys that wait till February, but mm-hmm. you will have 90% of guys that want to get this over with and commit a week From tomorrow, are you surprised that so many prospects from all over the country do it now in December and no longer wait till February?
4: Well, they want to do it early, and and it really makes you wonder if okay, if you really want to do it early, if we moved it to uh, the first week of September or the last week of August, would you do it then too? Uh, I think they need to take a real look at this uh, as far as the recruiting calendar. Uh, and see what they want to do with this because you, we've got uh, we got bowls, we've got finals, uh, we've got um, uh, recruiting, we've got roster management with the transfer portal. Right now, Hank, everything is hitting in December that used to be relatively quiet. Uh, it, it is no longer. But yeah, when you offer a uh, uh, an early signing period, a lot of these kids want to go ahead and get it over before Christmas. Uh, Some of them probably play basketball and other sports. uh, So there are a variety of reasons for uh, doing it. But my question is, and you recovered and covered like I do, will they take a hard look at this over the next year and and either leave it there or maybe, as as I wouldn't be surprised, if they move the calendar again?
2: Yeah, I could definitely see that. I've talked to a lot of kids over the years and, what they tell me about the December signing period is they're just over it. They're over the phone calls, they're over the visits, they're over the guys in the media constantly bothering them. They just want to sign on the dotted line and be done with it, even if they're not enrolling until June the following year. And uh, so we'll see. But yeah, it looks like Florida uh, on the outskirts of a top 10 class. Miami currently with a top 10 class. Florida State a top 20 class, although that's Relative, because Florida State doesn't have near the numbers to replace that Florida and Miami do. Uh, Florida State, I think, is going to be very good next year. That'll certainly be a topic yes. for the off season. But it would not surprise me at all if they're picked to win the ACC Atlantic uh, next year. Or I guess not even the Atlantic. If they're picked to win the ACC. Because the ACC, of course, is getting rid of those divisions. Brent Beard, First Coast News. You also get him right here on 1010XL. Brent, appreciate it, my friend. Enjoy the Gator game on Saturday. We'll be back to review that and look ahead to even more bowl matchups next week. Thank you, bud. Always enjoy it. Always enjoy Brent Beard joining us here on Hacker After Dark on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Yeah, hard to believe we got two bowl games on Friday, I think five bowl games on Saturday, which includes Florida <clears throat> for the first time ever in Las Vegas, taking on Oregon State there in the Las Vegas Bowl. Almost at halftime here on Hacker After Dark, one hour down, one hour to go. Remember, in the 11 o'clock hour, the high school spotlight, brand-new head coach at Oakleaf High School, Christopher Foy, did such a great job at Jackson. The last three years, he is now leaving Duval County and heading to Clay County to Oakleaf. We'll talk with him about his new opportunity there. Former Florida Gator Cornelius Ingram, who just guided Hawthorne to a state championship last week. We'll talk with Cornelius Ingram not only about that state title, but I want to ask him about his alma mater. I want to ask him about Florida, Billy Napier, and his thoughts on the Gators moving forward. And then, of course, Justin Barney from Channel 4. So we got all sorts of things going on in the 11 o'clock hour. With Dylan Denmark, the Hacker Ryan Green with you. Jacksonville, we're glad you're with us. Our late night show on a Tuesday from 10 to midnight right here. It's Hacker After Dark on 1010XL and 92.5 FM
1: is Hacker After Dark on 1010XL.
2: Yes, it is. We're glad you're with us. 1010XL, 92.5 FM. You know, last night, early on in the Arizona-New England Monday night football game, Kyler Murray went down with one of those non-contact injuries, and I knew it right when I saw it. And they brought the cart out, you know, sucks. He's out for the year with a torn ACL. And you think about where we are in the year, right? If you're Arizona, Kyler Murray's now going to miss not only the rest of this season, he's going to miss off-season workouts, OTAs, mini-camp, definitely training camp, definitely the first. He probably won't play in the preseason at all. If Arizona's lucky... If Kyler Murray's on the front end of the longevity issue with the torn ACL, there's a chance he might be ready for week one next year. A chance. I would tend to doubt it. He's probably going to miss a couple of games next year, too, at least. And I got to thinking how lucky and how fortunate, at least to this point, Jacksonville was with what happened in Detroit with Trevor Lawrence could have very easily been Jacksonville. The way Trevor Lawrence's leg bent, laying on the ground there in Detroit, everybody thinking the worst. Isn't it interesting that you go from that scene to just a week later, Trevor waving goodbye to the Titan fans. You go from fearing Trevor might be out months with a knee issue. Nope. Lucked out. Only thing bothered him was a toe. He missed Wednesday. He missed Thursday's practice last week. Didn't matter. Goes to Tennessee. Throws for 368 yards. Three touchdowns. Leads the Jaguars to the first win in Nashville in over nine years. The NFL is a funny thing, man. Jacksonville has not been very lucky with free agent signings, draft picks. Things just have not worked out for Jacksonville very often over the last 15 plus years. But things can change. And my goodness, did the luck change for Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence not getting injured in a big way in Detroit. And now you see where we are after that big win in Nashville over Tennessee. Sets up a big one on Sunday. The Cowboys roll in. We'll have it for you at 1 o'clock here on 1010XL. The first time in 16 years since Dallas has been to Jacksonville. They have not played a game here since 2006. It'll probably be a college-type atmosphere. You know There'll be thousands, and I do mean thousands, of Dallas Cowboy fans. What an environment it should be. I cannot wait. Sunday at 1 o'clock. Coming up next, we'll get in to the high school spotlight. Former Florida Gator, current head coach at Hawthorne, Cornelius Ingram, Justin Barney of Channel 4, and brand new Oakleaf head coach Christopher Foy. That's all coming up. We're with you till midnight, Jacksonville. We're glad you're with us. It's Hacker After Dark here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. We are glad you are with us. We have had a huge coaching shakeup in Northeast Florida. The Jackson Tigers, what a year they had under head coach Christopher Foy. A terrific regular season for Jackson, kind of reestablishing things out there on Main Street. And that work by head coach Christopher Foy has landed him a job now with one of the biggest public schools in our area as he is the new head coach of Oak Leaf High School out in Clay County. Christopher Foy joins us here on 1010XL. Coach, congratulations.
0: Oh, thank you, Coach. Thank you so much for having me.
2: Coach, we always appreciate it. Okay, let's start with the job at Jackson. You got there, what, three years ago as the head coach. You wanted to reestablish the tradition out there. Boy, you did that. You did a phenomenal job. Now that you walk away 3 years later, how do you feel about the job you did there at Jackson High School?
0: Oh, I'm I'm really proud of the, the 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 effort the kids and the community put forth. I mean, we 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 set out to to you know accomplish some goals and we had a chance to do that and uh you know we're just on to the next chapter now.
2: And hey, coach, I know what Jackson meant to you. When we did a hackers high school football tour out there with you guys, just yes, talking sir. to you. I know what it meant to you. I know what Kevin Sullivan meant to you. Certainly, it's a great opportunity, and we're going to talk about what your plans are now going to Oakleaf. Again, congrats on that. But was mm-hmm. it was it hard though to say goodbye to Jackson?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we got so much support. Uh, the kids did it. They, they did everything we asked them to do. I mean, they did. They were. They were relentless on the field. They were kind and courteous off the field. And, uh, you know, it was was a real difficult decision.
2: Certainly, you know, and you and I have talked so many times on the Friday Night Lights. I mean, the job you did, you inherited a public school program that, quite frankly, Coach, before you got there, was winning one and two games a year, three games maybe. And then to turn Mm -hmm. them around and to be undefeated going into the final week of the regular season in just three years, were you even – I mean, maybe impressed is not the right word, but the job that your staff did, the job your players, certainly you did. The fact that that all turned around so quickly for you, Jackson, certainly a lot of people took notice of that.
0: Yeah, it, it was. It was. You know, in this profession, you, you know, every once in a while you need a little luck, and so you know, we had a lot of tight ball games that we had to. We just, we just were, were, were lucky enough and, and blessed enough to pull them off, man. But uh, yes, I mean, it, absolutely, Coach. I'm, I'm, I'm humbled. By the accomplishments uh, that we had this year, uh, you know, it was it, it was not something that you know you, you take lightly. I, I knew those kids had worked extremely hard, and so it was good to see them receive all the fruits from their label.
2: Christopher Foy, formerly the head coach of Jackson, he's now going to Clay County to one of the biggest public schools in the area. There at Oakleaf. All right, coach, let's talk about the present and now the future, which is you. And Oakleaf High School. How did this come about for you?
0: Oh, I, I mean, I, I got in. Uh, you know, I, I saw, I saw the uh, the opening, and and I, you know, I, I took a shot at it. And uh, athletic director uh, Marcus Miller gave me a call, and and that, you know, kind of started the ball rolling. Uh, you know, I felt a, you know, a little comfortable having accomplished some things uh, in the in, in the profession last year, and so. I gave it a shot, um, made it through an interview and I, I saw the facilities and the opportunity and it was, and it, and and it's also, it's not a bad situation that it's only, you know, it's less than a 10 minute drive from my house. So it's, uh, you know, it was, it was, you know, I've, I've had a chance to coach in a lot of different communities and, uh, none of them throughout my almost 30 year career now had been close to home. And so that's, what's really intriguing about this one. It's a great opportunity, a great institution. I mean, the the, the staff and the, the school is just absolutely wonderful. But, uh, you know, this is the first time I, I get a chance to do it for home.
2: You know, it's interesting, too, and it, I didn't realize you live that close to Oakleaf. So, yeah, that, from that, it's very, very convenient. You are going from Duval County to Clay County. You're going from a Class mm-hmm. 2 program in Duval to a Class 4 in Clay, and now you go into the suburban area instead of the metro so even though (laughs) geographically the schools are probably not that far apart on the high school you know grid they're very very different jobs are they not yes
0: yes absolutely absolutely it's it's um you know the size the mere size i mean i haven't figured out the first floor yet (laughs) and i've been there a few times but um you know it's it's the 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 you know the the classification system is it, it it's extremely different you know it's we we have almost twice the number of students uh as we had at Andrew Jackson so i'm i'm really excited about that you know cuz you know enrollment was was getting kind of difficult on main street and so to to have you know a a student pool of over 2000 kids is man i'm i'm excited to see how that's going to pan out
2: Final moments here with Christopher Foy, now the brand new head coach at Oakleaf High School. Coach, any differences between Duval County and Clay County from a player standpoint? I haven't, I haven't had, you know, I
0: have, I have my first workout with my new team tomorrow, so I, I can't answer that one yet. However, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't see, you know, I, in in almost thirty years, I, I can say, Coach, you know, I can never. Say that I've come across, you know, a, a just a just a, a difficult kid, you know, who loved the game of tackle football and they wanted to be part of the team. Uh, so I, I don't. The difference, I, I don't. I can't say I see it yet.
2: I'm happy. I got eight months to pro- to practice this, Christopher Foy of Oakleaf. That doesn't roll off the tongue yet. I promise I won't do any <laughs> faux pas. Final moments here with you, Coach. All right. So this is not new to you. You did the same thing three years ago. When you were the brand new head coach at Jackson, what are you mm-hmm. looking to establish? I mean, we're still, you know, five months, four months, I guess, away from spring practice. Obviously, mm-hmm. you said workouts begin tomorrow. What's yes. your message? What are you looking to accomplish over these next couple of weeks? In, I, I, in, in the next couple
0: of weeks, just building relationships, you know, with the kids and the staff and the community. You know, it's, it's, it's really one of the, the, the last few, other than Fletcher, just community schools. You know, where you, you, you got this, you got this, you know, great high school in the middle of a neighborhood with the junior high next door and a couple of elementary schools, you know, less than a mile or a half away. And and so, you know, it's, 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 it's a real intriguing situation to, to really work in a community school. So that's, that's our focus right now is relationships. Relationships.
2: I'll tell you what's interesting too, just talking out loud. I mean, obviously there's a nice little rivalry. With Orange Park there, they're going to mm-hmm. have a coach only in year number two and Marcus Wimberley. Fleming Island is open because Damian Springs stepped down. We'll see mm-hmm. when they get full. So the the dynamic in Clay County from the high school coaching point of view, boy, it's shifted in a big way over the last couple of years.
0: Yes, it has. Yes, it has. So, I, I mean, I would I would be, uh think, the, the third – African American head coach with, with, well, now that, now that our Springs is leaving, but, you know, it's, it's, and, and that's, that's, that's an honor. It really is. It's an honor. But coach, when it comes to dealing with kids in this team sport, man, it's, 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 it's one thing about it. I, I got this from a, a guy coach with, you, you might know old Coach Hesser at, uh, at Fletcher. Oh, man, yeah. that football put a whole lot of people together. Mm hmm. It can put a whole lot of people together, and it can put us together for all the right reasons.
2: I'll tell you this. You did a phenomenal job at Jackson. I think Oakleaf got themselves a good one, and we're making plans for Hackers High School football tour season two. My goodness, we saw you at Jackson. I would imagine we'll probably come see you at Oakleaf in 2023. Christopher Foy, the brand-new head coach of Oakleaf High School. Coach, congratulations. We'll talk soon.
0: Yes, sir. Thank you for having me, coach. And we'll be willing, we, we, we'll be ready to have you over.
2: Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville, the high school spotlight rolls on here on 1010XL. How about Hawthorne? A perfect, undefeated 12 and 0 season, a 1R state championship. Their head coach is a guy you might remember if you're a Gator fan. That, of course, is C.I. Cornelius Ingram, who's here with us on 1010XL. Coach, how we doing?
5: I'm doing wonderful, man. <laughs> Still celebrating a little bit, but uh, feels feels great to be a champion. So I'm doing just fine.
2: Coach, 12 and 0. I mean, and and I looked at your schedule. You and I were talking beforehand. Your student enrollment at Hawthorne is very low you played Mm -hmm. a lot of schools that were quite frankly a lot bigger than you this Mm -hmm. year and i remember you beat what middleburg and parker from our area i see you got a victory over north marion over pahokee in the playoffs i mean and you guys bringing home a one R state championship last week just talk about your emotions from that win
5: um it was it was great man um you know just one of those feelings you can't really describe uh and and you know I graduated from Hawthorne, so I know exactly what all of these kids that I coach, you know, kind of go through on a day-to-day basis, especially with it being one of the smallest schools in the state of Florida. There's not a whole lot going on in the town. Uh, so so it was big, not only for our football program, but just uh, for our community as well.
2: You know, one of the things I'm looking at at your schedule here, you talk about playing anybody. You play Jacksonville mm-hmm. schools, St. Petersburg schools, Ocala, Orlando. I mean, good grief. And you beat mm-hmm. them all. Uh, yep. It's just a testament not only to you, your staff, but you mentioned those kids. What a year.
5: Um, yeah, we, we wanted to schedule that way. Uh, we always feel like scheduling up kind of prepares you a little bit more for the playoffs. And um, a lot of those victories were, were actually on the road. So, so you're talking about traveling with, with, with a young sophomore quarterback who just turned 15. <laughs> and he's also my son. Uh, you know, we're turning the offense over to him. His first time as a starter and you're playing all these road games at the beginning of the season. We knew right then that we could be special. Um, um, just the way we went through some adversities during the year and a lot of these kids have, have, have overcome those. And, um, yeah, just a lot of personal issues that went on with our football club. But, but football has saved all of us. And then, you know, you, you you just sit back and you you see kids mature and develop over the year. That's what you love as a football coach. And normally when you have those things kind of happen, that normally means your season is going pretty well. So, um, as you can see, an undefeated season um, wasn't perfect, um, played some great competition. But um, huge, huge first state championship win um, in school history for us.
2: Cornelius Ingram here with us, former Gator, current head coach at Hawthorne. He is a state champion. You mentioned your son at quarterback. What's that experience yep. like, not only being head coach, but being dad as well to your yep. starting QB?
5: Yeah. Um, you know, it was – it was to be honest, it was difficult um, at, at first. You know, he's he's been – um, a, a pretty special player as an, as an eighth grader. And and then as a ninth grader, he started receiving offers in, in football and basketball. Uh, but he was a 14-year-old kid. And sometimes he's about six six already. He, he's 15 now. Um, he's a really good basketball player. Uh, but then he's a, a, a pretty good quarterback. And I kind of, you know, get caught up on his stature and the way I'm coaching him. You know, I sometimes, you know, take it home and I coach him home. And I had to stop doing that because I didn't want my son to resent the game because he's a really good player. Um, very special, um, uh, commands the huddle. Um, the, the, the guys love him in the locker room, just a people's person. And, um, it's, it's, it's fun. I think I've, I've grown as a, as a parent and as a coach just by having him as my quarterback. So there's certain things I don't say or do anymore because I have to realize he's still a baby and he's still learning uh but it's fun man to share that moment not only with him my my older brother who's my he's my office coordinator and then he's also the head boys basketball coach so my son has to go straight over to him for 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 basketball so it's a family affair out here I'm coaching with guys that I that I really love guys that I actually went to high school with and played ball with here um it's special man this is a special time in our community um at our school everything is just working hand-in-hand um teachers administration everything is working hand-in-hand our fan base uh, just a special time in Hawthorne right now.
2: No question, 12-0 and, and a state champion on the gridiron. Cornelius Ingram here with us. All right, Coach, got to ask you about your alma mater, the Florida Gators, year number one uh, under Billy Napier, and maybe not the win-loss record people wanted, mm-hmm. certainly, but it looks mm-hmm. like things are doing well on the recruiting trail, a couple of big-time quarterback commitments in the last couple of weeks. What are your thoughts yep. on Coach Napier so far?
5: Um, I, I mean – being a former player, of course, I kind of understand it a, a, a little bit more than, you know, our fan base sometimes. And we have a tough fan base. And I know, you know, right out the gates, people were thinking, you know, SEC championship or, or national championship. It takes time. Um I, I definitely understand that. Every coach should have enough time to get all their recruits in, um, get their system in. Uh, but I think from what he's doing from top to bottom, over there, he's laying the foundation. And I, I think the kids will definitely um, continue to improve and play hard for him. Uh, and it, it'll take a little time. So we just need to be just a little bit more patient uh, and, and trust him and give him give him the time he needs to get everyone in, um, learn the system. But, but, of course, like you said, the wins and columns – doesn't really do justice to, you know, kids improving. There's a lot of kids over there who who improve. There's a lot of positions that improve. So I know we'll continue to get better. Um, They have the right people in place. Um, It it should be a really good, fun season next year.
2: Coach, final question. I'm curious because, you know, you came in so highly acclaimed. Unfortunately, you had some injury issues at Florida. Uh, Anthony Richardson, um, so highly acclaimed as well. Probably not the career he wanted at Florida with injuries last year, with, you know, six losses this year. But there is no doubt the talent that Anthony Richardson has projected to be a first-round NFL draft pick. What piece of advice would you give him post-Florida, now getting ready for the NFL?
5: Um, I I think right now with him sitting out of um, the bowl game, he's preparing right now to, to go through, you know, combine workouts, individual workouts. Um, pro day workouts um, with, with 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 the NFL teams, so he's already working on fundamental stuff. Because um, just like you said, you know, you can see the arm talent, you can see the speed. Once he pulls the ball down and he starts running, uh, you can see the athleticism, jumping over people. So just some things that 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 quarterback coaches can tweak and help out um, with. I think he's ahead of the curve just by, you know, he's already preparing for those kind of things right now. And, you know, he gets in the right system. Um, he'll be fine. And, and, and one thing about the kid, man, you know, I, I, one of, one of my assistant coaches, um, uh, was actually his head coach at Gainesville Eastside and Ant would come by and he would come by to see, um, his, his former coach, and then you know he would talk to us as a coaching staff. He would talk to my son, all of the players, you know, and and that's what kind of guy he is in the community. I don't I don't think um, that said enough. Very humble kid. Can you imagine how how hard it is to be the local kid to go over to the University of Florida? And you're playing in your backyard, so you know everything is 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 magnified. He can't do a whole lot. You know any mistake. You know, people are talking about it, Facebook, you know, social media, everywhere. So, uh, for him to remain humble and still be in this position uh, says a lot about his character and uh, what kind of kid he really is.
2: Cornelius Ingram, former Florida Gator and now the state champion head coach for Hawthorne High School. Coach, thank you very much. Again, congrats on a great year, and we'll talk again very soon.
5: I appreciate it. Thanks for having
2: me. Back here on the High School Spotlight, 1010 xl 92. Point five FM in the city of Jacksonville. We are glad you are with us. The high school football season may be over for all of our local teams, but recruiting is hot and heavy as the December signing period is next Wednesday. And we've had some movement on the coaching carousel, one opening in Duval County, and now one position has been filled in Clay County. With that, let me bring in Justin Barney of Channel Four, always kind enough to join us here on 1010XL. Justin, how are we doing?
3: Not too bad, Hack. Thanks for having me. A little bit of a kind of a mop-up time around the season as we uh, sort the damage of football and uh, turn our attention to the other sports the winter sports now in basketball so a lot going on
2: yeah actually i'll probably get a basketball thought out of you here in a second i was out at rebalt high school earlier this week we're doing the uh guggen hoops video series and i got my tail kicked by caleb williams out there of rebalt so we'll save a little basketball for the end of our conversation boy some big news on the coaching front last week justin what christopher foy did at jackson was incredible and after 3 years he leaves Jackson to head to a much larger public school program there at Oakleaf. What was your thought on the move there?
3: Yeah, good for him. And you know one of the the big things is it's close to his house. Chris uh, lives out in that area. Um it's a larger program, more resources. You know, Jackson is a, is a magnet school in Duval County. Money is not everything with coaches. We know that. It's um they do it for the love of the game, but it's better pay out there and Uh, Clay County, and you pay for those summer months that you work for free in Duval County. So uh, a good bump for him in terms of a little bit financially, but I think it's just a better overall situation. You're going to have more resources out there. Um, you're going to have a much more passionate fan base, a lot bigger student body to choose from, actually uh, more than double the size of Andrew Jackson. So I think it's a natural fit. And if, if Christopher Foy can do what he did at Jackson, at Oakleaf, he will be a beloved figure out there. You know, not since really, since, uh, since Derek Cipolletti uh, was out there in Oakleaf. Has, uh, you know, have they really been, you know, that team, to watch out there in Clay County, you know he had that 12 and one run to the regional finals, and then it's been you know a little bit of underachieving out there in Oakleaf. And um, I think if you uh, you know talk to people there, they know they have to uh, to get better and perform better, especially being you know in regions with Bartram Trails of the world. And uh, I think Christopher Foy did it at Jackson. He's been at Fletcher before, been around a big program, knows how the, uh, the that a program like that runs. I think he's a great fit for what they're going to do out in Oakleaf and really kind of put a new infrastructure. In there, and uh, really take that program to the next level, where it's been a, a little bit lacking in recent years.
2: Okay, I'm not saying he's going to win a state title uh, in the next couple of years, but this almost reminds me kind of like Bobby Ramsey leaving Uly to go to Mandarin. You know, you you test yourself at one school that's at a lower classification, a bigger school, and an upper classification in the same area. Certainly, it worked out for Bobby when he went from Yulee to Mandarin. You see any parallels with Foy now going from Jackson to Oakleaf?
3: Yeah, if he, can, if he can turn a Jackson around, which people in the area who, who followed high school football certainly know how lean the times had been at Jackson after Kevin Sullivan and, and Quinn Gray left in 09 and, and, uh, and 10. had been Really lean times out there, 0 and 10 seasons, struggles year after year. They went to a magnet school. So if he can take a program like that, that had been an annual homecoming game, Nine or ten weeks out of the year um, for for opponents and put that team into number one seed in the playoffs and an eight and three season back about playoff years. I think uh, the sky is limited Oakleaf. He's got a system that works. He's been in the game for quite some time. And I think Oakleaf just needs a little stability there. And, you know, you've got transfers every year and, and everything. And that's something that he's going to have to, um you know, kind of have to ride that wave a little bit as well. But I think you're at a bigger program. You've got a system that has shown it can work at an, in a situation that's not nearly as uh, as favorable as an Oakleaf. So, I do think uh, Chris Boy has that success out there. in no, Oakleaf. may not be immediate, but I think that success is there just like it was at Jackson inside
2: of three years. Justin Barney of Channel 4 here with us on 1010XL. 10, 10 you know, you and I talked about the District of Doom or the District of Death, whatever you, you want to call it, that district that consisted of Buholtz and Bartram and Oakleaf and Fleming and Creekside. Well, Sean McIntyre at Creekside's the only head coach left, right? Buholtz uh, had a retirement there with Whittemore. Daryl Sutherland retires at Bartram Trail. Damian Spring steps down at Fleming Island. Marcus Miller is the AD at Oakleaf, so he now gives the reins to Christopher Foy. It's odd that in that district, probably the most publicized district in our area, you got 80% new head coaches coming in in 2023.
3: Yeah, big change. And you look at Sean McIntyre. I believe he arrived at Creekside in uh, 2017-ish, and he is uh, uh, the the grayest beard among that group now. So interesting uh, look there. Daryl Sutherland, of course, stepped down uh, a couple weeks ago after 23 seasons at Bartram. So yeah, Sean McIntyre, and he's got a good thing going over there. We'll be interested to see who Bartram Trail hires. Obviously, Whittemore retiring at Buchholz is a is a big change there. He was a state semifinalist in back-to-back season, So. Yeah, a little bit of a new look in that in that suburban division, uh, our biggest suburban division in class 4s.
2: Hey, Justin, final thought on the coaching carousel. Now that Oakleaf is hired, uh, Fleming Island, I guess people are looking at. You mentioned Bartram Trail. Any timetable for when those jobs may be filled?
3: I think you'll probably see them filled around first of the year. Um, you get that kind of that that uh, influx of resumes or you narrow your um, your guys down after you know after that Christmas break winnow them down i think we 'll see those you know first of the year you know we 've got the opening at Atlantic coast is a good one, Fleming Island. Jackson, of course, Keystone Heights vacant after 24 years of Chuck Dickinson. Uh, Oakleaf has been filled. West Nassau is vacant uh, with Ricky Armstrong stepping down. Christchurch is vacant with Corrine Birch stepping down. So we've got a lot of uh, good openings in this area. I think that Bartram Trail, uh, that one, and then also Fleming Island, two of the the premier jobs programs in the area, will have new coaches starting next year.
2: Justin Barney of Channel 4. Justin, I had Cornelius Ingram. On earlier here on the high school spotlight, a former Florida Gator had some injury issues, still was drafted into the National Football League, but man alive, what he's doing at his alma mater, he was telling me they got less than a 300 student population out there at Hawthorne and they had victories this year over Middleburg, who made the playoffs, over Terry Parker. They beat North Marion out of Ocala, and they are the 1R, the rural state champions. They beat Pahokee in the playoffs. What a job by Cornelius Ingram, the former Gator.
3: Absolutely. What a great story out there. It's a smaller program, again, in a tiny kind of speck on the map. And you got a a small school, small enrollment, and that's what 1R is designed for, those programs out in uh, in the middle of nowhere with no student population. And, man, Hawthorne is a giant in that class. And after three years in the title game, Cornelius Ingram – Gets it done and just a great season for them. You know, last year was was really heartbreak. They lost 13-12 to Madison County. Of course, Madison County, just a, a dynasty in that smaller classification for years and years and years. They get it done. They finally get over the hump this year after three, appearance, three straight appearances. They win it on their third one and great one for Cornelius Ingram. And the Hornets out there, just a great situation for them to get it done out there. And uh, you got to love a, a program like that. A guy goes back and uh, his community and, and knows the area and you get it done to lead that team to state championship after being so, so close before they lost to Baker in 2020. They lost to Madison, as I mentioned last year. So to finally get over that hump, do it against a darn good program too. Uh, you love to see that out there at Hawthorne. Great job for Cornelius Ingram and the Hornets out there.
2: Justin, the next big thing on the calendar is a week from tomorrow you got the December signing period, and here locally we'll have a number of prospects that are going to be signing on the dotted line. It's going to be a big day for the Florida Gators in our area. We know Sharif Denson at Bartram Trail, Trayon Webb, Trinity Christian, Roderick Kearney at Orange Park. Was it Jaden Robinson, I believe? Lake City, Columbia. Clearly, Billy Napier made Northeast Florida a priority. And I believe all those guys are, correct me if I'm wrong, they're all scheduled to sign, I believe, a week from tomorrow, part of the early signing class. Yeah,
3: that's right. And then if you're Billy Napier, if you can, you know, maybe coax another guy out of the area, maybe a Jordan Hall, a big defensive lineman at West Side, that would be a, a feather in your cap. So a great season recruiting-wise for Billy Napier. Kind of wondered what was going to happen after the the, the regular season being as erratic as it's been, but you no, know, to to pull guys out of schools that you're not normally associated with. Bartram Trail has been one of the best in terms of cranking out guys in this area for college football, but. They just have not had a lot of influence in Gainesville. So Sharif Denson keeps that going. Uh, we had Trevez Johnson a couple years ago go down to Florida. So you hope if you're a, a Bartram Trail, if you hope you're of the Gators, you can start making that pipeline inroads uh, to Bartram Trail. So Sharif heading there, Trayon Webb from Trinity Christian heading there, um, Grayson Howard going to South Carolina. So some strong uh, SEC flavor in the Jordan Hall kind of, uh, kind of out there a little bit um, on, on what he's going to do. He's the biggest domino yet to fall. In the area, but man, we have got a great recruiting class this year. Guys going to Florida State, Sam Singleton, um, some other names in the area that will pop up on signing day. It'll be interesting to to see kind of what. Unknown guys with the transfer portal now, you you just don't know how things are going to shake out um, this early signing period, um, and then going into February with the the, the normal signing day, ha- what kind of guys will fall through the cracks? Where does a Marcus Stokes go? Previous Florida commit, you know, is there another guy that kind is going to kind of pop up and flip at the last second? So interesting time, I think next Wednesday will give us a a, a pretty solid glimpse of how these classes shake out and you're going to fill in some dots in the in that february class as well
2: justin you mentioned jordan hall from west side he's down to a final four of alabama lsu georgia and and florida for people that haven't seen him i mean obviously you don't need to be a rocket scientist when you have offers like that he's a heck of a player i guess georgia is is the thought right now have have you heard any different that's
3: that's what I've heard. Uh, the lean is towards Georgia. Man, when you're a, a possibly a two-time defending national champion, have to see how the playoff shakes out. But uh, that would be a big add for them. I know they've been down here quite a few times, and for fans who've not had a chance to talk to Jordan Hall or listen to him, they're gonna love him. He is a an affable guy. He's funny. He's a, he uh, he cracks jokes. He's not a he's very not a not a manicured recruit. But by saying just the you know the the boilerplate kind of stuff. He will surprise you. He'll put a smile on your face. Whatever school gets him, uh, they call him Big Baby. He is a funny, funny guy, and I do think he's going to endear himself to a fan base, even the fan bases that do not uh, win his services. Man, he is a funny guy to listen to, a great soundbite, and just a guy that puts a smile on your face with about every conversation you have with him.
2: Final moments here with Justin Barney of Channel 4. Justin, what's Florida State getting with Sam Singleton, the running back from Fleming Island?
3: I like Sam he's he's been a guy that's that split the workload a little bit in high school he's um he's an explosive he's a shifty guy he's also powerful out of the backfield too people will see him and they'll say he's a little bit slight but he's 5'11 uh about a buck 85 and he moves he's very good um he, I, I, if can he hold up is the biggest thing uh from that uh, from that beating in the ACC and at a at a higher level of football that's the only question i have uh is just a health issue will he stay will he stay upright in college, but man, he is a fun player to watch. He's been a fun player to watch for uh, several years, and I don't think you've seen the best of Sam Singleton. Again, he played in a very uh, balanced and uh, spread-out offense, and I think his best is yet to come at Florida State.
2: Justin, final question. You mentioned the transfer portal. One of the main guys that's getting a lot of love in the transfer portal is Austin Reed, who won a Division II National Championship at West Florida, was I think the second-leading passer in Division I college this year at Western Kentucky uh, in yardage, was a St. Augustine kid Uh, you know you followed him you covered him obviously are you surprised at the unbelievable success that Austin Reed has had and he almost has his pick of the litter man he can go wherever he wants almost in the portal
3: he was a fun fun player to watch at St. Augustine a little bit under the radar uh, but I loved watching Austin Reed I I remember talking to him after he led a, a game-winning drive to beat Bartram Trail his senior year. And he was just so calm and poised during that situation and uh, just kind of joking and laughing at it at, at the end of the game. So I knew we were going to win. I knew we, I had confidence. And he just went down the field in a matter of about 25 seconds from about the 20-yard line to the other uh, the other 20-yard line and set his kicker up for a field goal. And just the, the confidence that Austin Reed had, even back at St. Augustine, he led him to the state semifinals. Um, his senior year, and just a great player. And and again, I say underrated. Um, he signed, I believe, with uh, with Southern Illinois out of uh, out of Saint Augustine. Then he went to West Florida, had the success there. Um, I think Austin has always thought he um he could do it. He could uh, he could achieve and and stand out at whatever level he was at. And you know, West Florida they saw what he had in that national championship season um and he is just not lacking for for confidence in the ability to do that comes from a good family um and he is just not lacked that confidence not not overconfidence but he just you put the game in his hands, with it on the line, he knows he's going to go out and do it. and We've seen that in college, and I think he's going to end up at a Power 5 program, and he has that same success that we've seen in his two previous stops when he's been on the field.
2: Justin Barney of Channel 4. Justin, next week it is signing period. We will uh, talk to you next Tuesday. I know you'll be a very busy man next Wednesday. We look forward to the conversation. Have a great week.
3: Take care, Act. Thanks for having me.
2: And thank you to Justin Barney of Channel 4 for joining us here on the high school spotlight on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Yeah, it's hard to believe the December early signing period is a week from tomorrow, so we'll have a lot of prospects all over the Northeast Florida that will be officially putting pen to paper. Well, that'll just about wrap it up for a Tuesday night edition of Hacker After Dark, our late night edition of Hacker After Dark. Thank you guys for staying up with us here on 1010XL, thank you to everybody that joined us tonight for the High School Spotlight. That's Justin Barney of Channel 4. Christopher Foy, the brand-new head coach at Oakleaf High School from Jackson and Duval County to Oakleaf in Clay County. Thank you to Christopher Foy and Cornelius Ingram, former Florida Gator tight end and the brand-new state champion there at Hawthorne, his alma mater, as he coaches them to a perfect 12-0 and undefeated season and a state championship in the 1R classification. And in hour number one, Brent Beer joined us as he does every week. We talked Heisman. We talked, unfortunately, about the passing of Mike Leach, a very sad day in the college football world from that aspect. And we also looked ahead to the Florida matchup on Saturday, the Las Vegas Bowl against Oregon State. We'll be back tomorrow night on a Wednesday, and we'll do it all over again beginning at 8 o'clock. Dylan Denmark was your producer tonight. Dylan, great job as always. I'm the Hacker Ryan Green, and Jacksonville, thank you for staying up late with us on a Tuesday night here on Hacker After Dark on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. So for all of us here on HAD, have an absolutely terrific remainder of your Tuesday night. And we will do it all over again on a Wednesday, beginning at 8 o'clock. Until then, good night, Jacksonville.